Now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Take me to the Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir, I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew today for Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. All right, so we got a lot of stuff to navigate through today, and uh, we probably should have talked about this last week because it was all over the mainstream media, and it's kind of come and gone. But, uh, you know, it's kind of nutty because you don't hear this kind of story very often. And, of course, I'm referring to the uh, airplane that dropped a bunch of fuel on some school kids in California. What is the deal with that, Dennis? It's really, it's unfortunate, uh, but a Delta Airlines uh, flight from Los Angeles to Shanghai was having engine problems shortly after takeoff, and they needed to quickly get back to the airport. Well, unfortunately, when you're loading up a 777 for a very long flight like that, um, it actually carries more fuel and more weight than it can actually safely land with. Hmm. So the procedure for the pilots is to dump fuel. Normally, this isn't an issue. They do it above 10,000 feet. It gives the fuel plenty of time to actually evaporate and never actually reaches the ground. But because this happened right after takeoff and they needed to get on on the pavement as soon as possible, uh, they were dumping fuel at only 2,500 feet as they were going over residential neighborhoods and industrial areas um, trying to get back to the airport. And at that altitude, it didn't have time to disperse and unfortunately fell as a liquid onto some unfortunate kids out on a recess. Yeah, that's not good. And, and you know, no. you saw it all over the news, but it wasn't just the kids that got sprayed, I'm guessing, then. It was a whole area there? Or has anyone oh, yeah. else complained or what? Uh, there's been, you know, lots of complaints. I saw, you know, initially they were saying only 25 and then as many as 60, and lots of uh, lots of uh, public service people were heading out to, to assess what was going on and the health risks some of the teachers are saying it was, you know, kind of hard to breathe because you could smell the jet fuel in the air. And then as it evaporated, a lot of that went away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me, years ago, I used to live near Minneapolis International. And, and every now and then we'd have something similar where, you know, a 747 would lose an engine, have to come back. And at one time, I, I remember it being, being a uh, controversy. And uh, the airline actually picked up car washes for everybody that lived within an affected area because, you know, some of that jet fuel might have gotten on their car. and. You know, and they were trying to do the right thing. And I'm sure Delta's going to step up. And, you know, this is a huge PR nightmare, obviously. And, and you know, not to mention a potential public health risk, too. So I'm sure they're going to do their best to, to take care of everybody. But it is unfortunate. Uh, but if they didn't dump it, the risk to the airplane and the, you know, several hundred passengers on there would have been quite severe because that landing gear is not designed to take that amount of weight, especially with, you know, coming in and touching down tends not to be uh, as smooth as a uh, touching down on a pillow. You know, it, it right. tends to come in rather firm. Yeah. Well, so, what, what do we know about open the fuel tanks? What do we know about, uh, you know, taking showers and have gas? I don't know. Was it have gas or diesel? What would it have been? It was kerosene. It was kerosene. jet fuel. All right. So I don't know. You just smell like, well, at least there's not the lead poisoning, funky. you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, you think they knew it right away just because of the smell? Uh, the, yeah. You know, they knew what it was. 
Well, you they know, saw the plane coming over, and you could actually, they said you could see the streams coming out of the wingtips. Well, did the anyone go, hey, they're, they're dumping their, uh, yeah, they're dumping their restrooms right on over us. But they said, wait, it's not blue. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sure the conspiracy theorists were all over this. Go, oh, they left the chemtrail switch on too low, you know? Right. Yeah, of course, those wacky Californians do that stuff. Now, put your t- tinfoil hats on. Yeah, well, yeah. God bless them. Well, you know, obviously we can't have this happen. And, uh, you know, they got a pretty good excuse. I mean, it sounds like to me. But and, and I'm sure that they'll be updating their procedures to, you know, in the future, at least from LAX, it's only like, you know, a minute or two after takeoff, you're over open water and you know, maybe they're, they're going to put some restrictions in place. But remember that in an emergency like this, and, and I don't know what specifically the issue was if they totally lost that engine, but the rules say in, in the event of an emergency, the pilot in command can deviate from any rule. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could put all the processes and procedures in place, but if it's, you know, he's trying to protect his passengers just as much. And so unfortunately, you know, the people that were below him got a little, yeah. uh, little yeah. coating. Sorry for the jet fuel shower, but we want to live. So, I mean, you can't blame them if, if indeed that is, uh, is the case. So, you know, but I, you know, you can't help but feel sorry for the kids too. You don't hear about this type of oh, stuff yeah. very often. The only story is. You don't is, want to take a bath in a kerosene shower, right? No, no. But it's kind of interesting. I've, I've never heard of this before. Obviously, it's, it's had to have happened, but that got a lot of play. It seemed like on the mainstream media, you know, normally in these type of things, it's like, you know, airplane parts falling off in people's yards and, and, uh, that blue ice that we, you know, talk about quite a bit. And escape slides, you know, things right. like that. Exactly. But you don't hear, hear about uh, jet fuel showers hardly at all. So that was kind of a unique thing. So anyway, they'll work it out. Just something to be aware of. And uh, I don't know. Would you rather have a, a jet? Yeah, that That's not a golden shower. So that's a. Well, it is kind of uh, oh, straw boy. colored. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think if you had your choice. But that may be deeper than we really, really we want to go yeah, on this story. Yeah, let's, let's not go let's there. Just, I don't <laughs> think our, our passengers really want to go into that Let's discussion. navigate to something else, something more positive. You know, we're just a week away, you know, or thereabouts from uh, Super Bowl in Miami. You know, all the stars from Hollywood and California, they're going to be converging on South Florida next weekend. And there are some things you need to be aware of as a private pilot, right? That's correct. Um, the, the FAA has just published their their newest notum um, on a, you know just as a reminder that you now have to if you're planning on flying IFR anywhere in the Miami area that you're going to need to get reservations. Uh, if you're planning on flying out there yourself, uh, be aware that you know parking is going to be at a premium. You're going to need to talk to the FBOs ahead of time, possibly even getting slot reservations. And so, um, I just highly recommend you go out and. Uh, look up or Google search for the FAA uh, flight Super Bowl. What is it? 54 uh, flight advisory. And they have all of the uh, restrictions that are going to be set in place, uh, including there's a, a 10 mile restriction uh, around uh, the Fort Lauderdale VOR, uh, which is going to be uh, basically kind of like a presidential TFR, no fly zone type thing. So mm-hmm. there's going to be those restrictions. Right. Um, and there'll be absolutely no drone operations, uh, within so many, I think that within the 10 nautical mile ring as well. So don't think that you're going to be able to get your little DJI phantom out there and start taking pictures of the Super Bowl from in the parking lot. Um, that that's going to be a, that's a no fly zone. Again, check your notams, 
you know, take a look and see what you need to be aware of as you're flying anything in that area. Yeah. It's going to be busy. Basically, uh, if you don't know that the Super Bowl is happening next weekend uh, because you're living under a rock or something, uh, stay away from South Florida if you want to fly your plane. All the snowbirds up there, this is a great time. They want to get south. Uh, but next weekend in South Florida is not going to be the weekend to do it. Uh, fly out to the nope. Caribbean. Go somewhere else. But avoid South I mean, Florida they're, they're like the plague. Oh, they're, they're not going to be, you know, during the, the time that this TFR is in effect, no flight training, no practice instrument approaches, no aerobatic flight, no glider operations, parachutes, altar lights, hang gliding, balloon, crop dusting, uh, you know, no space. banner towing. <laughs> <laughs> so you, pretty much anything you'd want to do other than take off and get out of the area um, is pretty much going to be uh, clamped down on. So. Yeah. Stay away. I mean, unless you have tickets. Of course, and you've made the proper arrangements, but you, uh, you know, obviously, if you've taken that step, you've obviously planned. I would think if you're planning to fly your plane in and have a reservation and all that kind of stuff to park your plane at the airports in the area. But boy, it'd be like flying into Air Venture almost next weekend, wouldn't it? It'd be like flying into an air show. I bet it's, it's probably only with a lot more expensive airplanes. True, very expensive airplanes, no question. But uh, but just as chaotic is is my prediction. But uh, you know who knows? Uh, I, I think you know it, it's one of those things. Like if you had the opportunity, be it'd be kind of fun to do something like that. You know, to kind of mark it off the list. Like, hey, I got Super Bowl tickets, which is amazing in itself. But uh, I'm I'm actually going to fly my plane in like a big shot and uh, do like the big guys I wouldn't do. recommend doing that cuz 2 years ago we had the Super Bowl here in Minnesota you know yeah. the, the frozen north right. uh, that whole thing our airport um was one of the uh, most heavily impacted and i mean they shut down two of our three runways just to use for parking um it was just it was totally chaos and i had thought i'd try to go maybe fly just to say i could do it and when i saw all of the headaches that people were dealing with getting in and out and whatnot i said you know what i'm gonna go take it to the avionics shop we're gonna start working on the avidine install early it was it was far the better decision well trying to deal with well once again like i said it's like flying into one of the big air shows like sun and fun or air venture you know it, it would be something you really have to plan for and it kind of check off the list you, you don't it's not on your list is that what you're trying to say dennis well, in this case, I mean, I thought it would be kind of fun since it was right here in my backyard, but right, I don't but know. it wasn't. It sounded no. like a, uh, I don't know, a scarring experience or something. Exactly. Okay, we'll leave it at that. More coming up on Just Plain Radio. Stay close. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. 
Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. with Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Are you nervous? Uh, never flown before. Nothing to it. Just sit back, be a bird, and drink up. Sometimes I cry, sometimes I fly like a bird. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me and Lawa Captain Dennis. We're your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information and reminding you to stay away from South Florida next week unless you got tickets to the Super Bowl. It's going to be an airspace you will not want to navigate, uh, especially if you're a general aviation enthusiast. I think it's just going to be way too crazy and uh, not a lot of fun. Unless you got tickets, then it might be worth it. But otherwise, avoid it like the plague. Fly to the Bahamas, go out to the Caribbean. Do something more uh, fun uh, in, in your aviation stuff. You know, all the notums are out there. You can uh, look them up and uh, know how to, well, once again, they'll tell you how to navigate it. I say just avoid it. Now, there's some other areas that you want to look at as well as far as, uh, are these notums or just notices or updates? It's a on, new notum. Okay. What is this? And this is for D.C. area. Right. Yeah, Wash- the Washington D.C. area has had uh, some very special rules put in place uh, post nine one nine eleven. One of which is that you now are required to have uh, special awareness training if you're going to fly within sixty nautical miles of the D.C. airports. And they have updated now the NOTAM that's kind of controlling access to the College Park, uh, Potomac, and Washington Executive Airports. Uh, they now have published specific uh, VFR corridors that you now have to use to fly into those airports. So you can't just uh, cross over and enter as uh, willy-nilly. You now have to come in on specific radials off of the Potomac VOR. Mm. So they've updated the the NOTAM to reflect all of that and, and published it. Unfortunately, they haven't updated the training classes. So if you go out and take the special rules uh, training, um, it's still going to have the old procedures there. So it's... Uh, 
it's it's in your best interest. AOPA is urging it uh, as well to take a look at those notams um, before you depart. Uh, make sure that you take the training if you haven't already and know that the training's out of date and that the procedures have been updated. Um, it also affects uh, the Leesburg Executive Airport, which uh, if you've noticed in the news, um, they're getting one of these uh, remote control towers. And so they're going to have, uh, they're going to be assigning transponder code 1234 to people flying in and out of Leesburg uh, so that the uh, the remote air traffic control tower can manage that traffic separately. Okay. So that's just in that whole DC area, which, uh, you know, I mean, you would think they would have those type of things set up already. They have that in New York City already, right? Where they got to fly along the Hudson and stuff. Well, those are VFR corridors, but this is a, you know, that was to be able to transit in between some of the heavy, you know, the heavy uh, class Bravo traffic between uh, like LaGuardia and Kennedy and things like that and still right. be able to, uh, to not have to be talking directly to a controller. But this is for people that want to go and fly in and land at these airports. It used to be you could kind of cut over, you know, any way you want, cut under the shelves here or there. Now they're actually mandating that you come in within these pie wedges uh, specifically so that if you're going into, um, you know, the northernmost airport, you're going to be required to come in, you know, somewhere between the 345 and 105 radials and things like that uh, mm-hmm. so that they they are kind of vectoring the arrivals into certain areas. Right. So, you know, in something like this, if I was a new pilot and I had just got trained on that and the training had not been updated and I'd missed the notum, well, it's all on me. Yeah, you can't use that excuse like, hey, wait a minute, they just told me I was supposed to do it like this, and now you say that's not right? What? You're in trouble and regardless, right? You've, yeah, it's your responsibility to make yourself aware of all pertinent information and notams affecting the airports of landing. And yeah, it's, so this is why we're trying to get the word out that, hey, there's a change. This mm-hmm. is new um, and probably won't be the last time they update it. Yeah, but I didn't know is not a valid excuse. No, or yet another reason to get your instrument rating and file, and then you don't have to worry about this. They'll tell you where you go. Okay, well, yeah, so because that would be a VFR approach is what you're talking about. Yeah, right. This notum is specifically for VFR arrivals into those uh, those three. But if you violate it, what's going to happen? Uh, plan on getting a call from the FISDO and uh, you know sitting down with the with their examiner. Hey, idiot! Happens. You could get your license suspended. Best case, you probably wind up going and doing uh, some remedial training with a, an aviation safety counselor and uh, having to do what they call a 709 ride with the FAA to prove that you still are uh, able to exercise the privileges of your certificate. Yes, you're capable of reading and flying uh, for for sure, too. Okay, well, uh, there you go. Now you know if you didn't already. If you're th- planning to fly around, have you done that uh, route, by the way? Have you flown up there by the uh, capital? I have never uh, been to the East Coast unless we call um, the East Coast of Florida, but it's definitely on a short list of things I need to go do. That would be a fun, I think it would be a, an excellent trip, wouldn't it? I mean, I I don't, think can, you, can you even get close enough? To fly through the areas like Congress and stuff, that's a probably no fly. No, zone. I think I think if you were to get close to that, um, they, yeah, yeah, you'd probably have May a blackhawk off your wing back, yeah. right? But can you even get close enough where you even see any of those type of landmarks? You think or no? Um, they don't know. yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I've never been over there, so okay. I don't know how close. I that. mean, if you go into College Park, I have seen some videos of people put out of, of a couple of the DC three airports where. 
if you, you know, went into them, yeah, you are flying, you know, relatively close to some of the big, uh, big facilities so it might be possible yeah i don't see. know the, the tfr around the whole area there has to be massive i'm sure of it so anyway it would be cool but you know you, you may get some great shots you just may not get back down to to the well actually you might or you get, may get shot to you know, your you might, call yeah you get back down to the ground quicker than you uh than you might expect <laughs> and, and you're greeted with a, a bunch of blacked out uh, limousines to pick you up right mm-hmm. possibly so yeah, probably you don't want to do that, but it would be fun. There's a lot of those Once. things they don't let us <laughs> do, which is probably a good thing. All right. So, uh, Garmin, it came out with some news too, that, uh, I don't know, it would have been a solution for you a couple of years ago, but you're all set now. But for folks Whoa. with like a Mooney or typical, what a Cessna 172 have some old, uh, you know, old gauges and things, and they're looking to upgrade Garmin finally came out with a solution or something or what? Yeah, it's uh actually this some of this could even go into my Mooney as well, but it's this is geared towards people that haven't gone to the full glass uh, retrofits, you know, haven't put in a Dynon or a you know a Garmin five hundred or so G three X or something like that to mm-hmm. replace their six pack gauges. Um, Garmin just released a all a, a Swiss Army knife, I guess is a good way to describe it. It's a three and an eighth inch gauge. It fits in a standard instrument hole and it's actually a round display as opposed to that G5 that they put out several years ago, which was a a square box that would slip into an existing instrument hole. This thing actually fits in the round bezel, just like uh, the gauge it would be replacing. Hmm. And it's, I mean, it's great. It's, it looks very nice, but it, it's a Swiss army knife. It can be an attitude indicator. So if your, your um, artificial horizon goes out, Instead of paying to have it overhauled, just take it out, drop this in, doesn't need vacuum, but it can also display uh, a uh, kind of like the typical glass cockpit where you get your airspeed and altitude can also be superimposed on it. Well, there you go. More options if you uh, looking for an upgrade or a way to bridge that gap before you go full glass, right? And it can do much more, which we can talk about after the break. We will on Just Plane Radio. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I've been up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet. I'm going to fly on out of here on you can't see. If you're going to fly high without fear, you're going to have to learn to love the atmosphere. And you got to learn to use those wings. You can't see. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that is me, along with Captain Dennis. All right, so this new Garmin uh, retrofit gauge that you can pop in uh, your older GA aircraft is a round, standard you know, one of those six-pack gauge, um, what, what is the diameter of that thing? That's a standard. It's a three and a, yeah, it's a standard three and an eighth inch uh, instrument. Okay. So you can put it in any of those six spots, and it's all digital and stuff, so you can use whatever feature you want on it and that kind of thing? Or how's it, how, how, do they, uh, how do they work? Yep, just switch the pages. So it can be an engine monitor for you. Um, it can act as a uh, uh artificial horizon as we already talked about mm-hmm. which gives you kind of that moving map with your tapes and everything on it it can be a uh, heading indicator and or an hsi so it can give you your navigation and all of that information on there it can act as a multifunction display where it can show traffic uh, maps 
just just like you would get in the the middle of a cirrus, only a lot smaller. Um, but even more interesting, it's also can be your primary engine monitor. So they're attacking or going after pretty much every vendor in the marketplace say, right now. Right, because uh, we've talked about engine monitors uh, specifically in that configuration before, and that's all they do. They do it really well. But you're saying this new Garmin system not only does that, but then all this other navigation stuff by just pressing a button and switching a page, right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, and what I thought was really impressive is that, you know, for a gauge that can be anywhere from th- uh, four to $5,000, depending what options you want on it, this thing can replace uh, and back up multiple other gauges and it can even drive your existing autopilot. So for someone like me, that's got an old autopilot that actually requires the artificial horizon to give it the, the you know, which way am I up? Mm-hmm. Um, this thing can actually electronically drive that without having to buy a, an external converter. Okay. So it so would literally be a drop in replacement. Right now. Huh? I'm thinking about it, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't have anything Garmin in the Mooney right now, and I well, don't want to time. break that trend if I can help it. What? Why? You gotta have a little bit of everything. Five grand, that's chump change to Captain Dennis. Come on. Greg, this is something you should get me for my next birthday present. Not gonna happen. One can dream. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You gonna ride shotgun with me? Help me fly. That's the plan. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis, navigating the latest aviation news and information. Okay, so um, you know we've we've covered a lot so far. And, uh, you know, there may be some uh, places that you want to fly, like uh, maybe you need a new place just to live, but you want some aviation connection to it, like an airport nearby. We're going to cover that in just a bit, give you some 10, uh, 10 suggestions on where to potentially buy, I don't know, a second home for your airplane. We'll kind of call it that, I guess, for now. That's coming up. But first, we got uh, some other topical news you know, we're based in uh, Orlando, Florida, or at least I am. Dennis is up in Minnesota. But Vero Beach, just up the road from me, just north of Daytona, has uh, decided that they, I don't know, they grew too fast and decided, ah, eh, we liked it better when we were a small, happy place and, or something like that, I guess. Is that what's going on, Dennis, or what? Something along that lines. I mean, Vero Beach Airport has, you know, quite a bit of a storied history. I believe that's actually where Piper's uh, factory is located is in Vero Beach. And so they've been a GA airport, but, you know, every airport kind of wants to grow and they want to get, you know, scheduled airline service because it's going to bring more people into your town. Mm-hmm. But they found out there's some unintended consequences. Uh, when you become a scheduled airline airport, your funding is actually derived off of how many passengers are coming through. You get that passenger facility charge that's baked into your airline ticket well uh vero beach you know they successfully brought in elite airways um as a scheduled service and elite is you know very happy with the route they're running good passenger loads for them but uh it's only bringing in about ten thousand uh passengers a year into vero beach 
which is actually cutting down the amount of revenue that the Vero Beach Airport is actually getting compared to when they were just a general aviation airport mm-hmm. uh, because they're be, they're not able to apply for a lot of the grants um, and subsidies that they would have gotten as a GA only airport. Got it. So they're actually looking at kicking out that scheduled airline and going back to being a GA only and not having to deal with the security overhead of TSA requirements for fencing and things like that. And, uh, and being able to get some of those, uh, those grants that they're missing out on. Right. Yeah, sometimes there are some advantages to to being small, you know. So and yeah, and they're just up the road from Daytona International, which has been I don't know, they've been trying to, you know, up their profile the last few years. So I would imagine they maybe they're feeling a little bit of the pressure and competition from some of the uh carriers uh, that are just flying into D- Daytona. You know? Well, and you've got uh, Orlando, which is, you know, obviously the, the largest magnet in the area that, you know, a lot of people look at how cheap it is to fly to Orlando and figure it's probably worth it just to rent a car and drive a couple hours. Right. You know, you got Daytona, Melbourne, now Orlando, Sanford is starting to get more and more of the uh, smaller airlines like Elite and Spirit or Allegiant and, and Spirit. And some mm-hmm. of these are flying into some of these uh, outlying airports. It starts to become a little bit more viable. Um, as an alternative too, so there's there's additional pressure on them from that respect, right? And you know, and plus having that hometown feel, I you know, I bet they're like, you know, it's crappy now. I remember a few years ago, boy, this airport was awesome. They had the best hamburgers at Fannie Mae's hundred dollar hamburger joint. You know that kind of stuff. I don't know. So uh, yeah, and you don't really think of Vero Beach as a tourism mecca necessarily either. Especially when you put it up against a Daytona or Orlando. I mean, Orlando Sanford has the same issue because it's you know they're they're competing with with MCO Orlando International Airport uh, heavily as well. Like you said, they got Allegiant there, but um, but the problem is they they definitely use the Orlando moniker more than they use Sanford uh, because people they go Sanford Florida. Where's Sanford Florida? Well, it's actually. Uh, right outside Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. I live literally right between Orlando Sanford and Orlando International, uh, almost equally. And I'll go to Sanford if I have the choice. They don't have as many options just because it's smaller, it's easier to get in and out of, uh, and much more convenient, you know, less people, less lines, that kind of thing. But they don't obviously. But you can't uh, argue with the amount of connection choices that you have out of Orlando. Right. You don't uh, have a lot of choice of airlines. You want to go to London on a 747? You got nonstops every day, right? Right. But you want to fly up someplace up where you are to Minnesota or Cincinnati even or Dayton, things like that. Legion runs flights that are dirt cheap. I mean, uh, Michigan, you know, they they definitely got some flights and. Or Orlando Sanford, but once again, they call it Orlando Sanford. They don't just call it Sanford. There's been all kinds of legal challenges between the two airports for that little uh, marketing scam that uh, Orlando Sanford has been pulling to. But uh, I guess they're they're okay with it for now. But Vero Beach, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes, and uh, I wish them well. Regardless, you know, have a, I, I think you know when you're flying your craft in. I mean, wouldn't you rather go to a smaller place like Vero as opposed to, say, Daytona International or something if you were flying down this way? If it was my choice, yes. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't want to deal with the extra headache and frustration and large airport uh, overheads. You know, ch- tends to be those bigger airports are also the ones that have the bigger FBOs that 
have Charge recently more, come under fire. Fuel, yeah, exactly. And everything else. Handling yeah. fees, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, flying into some of the smaller airports in my case can be a lot of fun, but it is nice to know that there are the bigger airports there that if the weather's down or you need maintenance or something like that, there's a good chance that you'll find a, a provider there um, readily available. May not be the cheapest, but you always have that option. Right. But you can always take off and fly to one of the big places if you need some maintenance type stuff done. But if yep. you're just flying around for fun, it's way more fun to to go to these little small, uh, you know, family operated air airports or whatever, or you know, community airports and things like that. Which brings us to ten places where you can buy what is this a beach house that not only you will uh, like, but it'll be possibly good in this regard if you want to fly your plane into cool places, you know, that have small airports nearby, right? It's something along that lines. You know, this is this is an article from uh, from our friend Trevor at uh, In Flight Pilot Training here in Minneapolis. But you know, he he put together a top ten list of um, beach property or places that you can get a beach home that is that are still accessible by a small general aviation airport. So, a lot of people, hey, I want to get a beach house. Where do you go? You get something that you can get a connection to Orlando or to Miami or Fort Lauderdale, some of these big airports that you can take an airline. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're a pilot. You can go to a lot of other places that are on, you know, like we just said, the smaller airports, the little little home homey feel of a smaller FBO, and it's less busy. So uh, he laid out some of the some of the options, and one of them is uh, not not really your back door, but at least it's your state. Um, his first choice was Panama City Beach, Florida. Hmm. Okay, you know, you do have a fairly big airport there at Pensacola, but if you wanted to go to Panama City Beach, that's farther to the east. And away from some of the hustle and bustle of the the military traffic over there, the Northwest Florida Beaches International Airport is actually, you know, would be one of the closest ones that can service you. But you get the bright blue waters and white sand beaches of Florida, but you're away from some of the the high end. um, The hustle and bustle. Hustle and bustle, exactly. And driving that area kind of blows, (laughs) too. So if you can fly right in there and uh, avoid a lot of that, uh, you know, driving time uh, and, and landing right in Panama City that does sound like a win. What what other locations did he suggest? Uh Dauphin Island, Alabama. Okay. Uh, you could fly into the Jeremiah Denton Airport there and it's it's known as the sunset capital of Alabama. It provides a little quieter city but still has the has the beauty. It's only about 1000 people, but you can find a beach home there, uh golf parks, golf courses and parks and marinas, so go shrimping. Yeah. And if you needed to 30 miles away here at Mobile. So if you did need to catch a commercial flight or something, it's not that far. But being able to go into the smaller airport again, you avoid the hustle and bustle and headache of the the larger airspace. Very nice. Okay. Do we have 10 of these? We get 10 of these. Okay. So that's two. What's the third one? Ocean Shores, Washington. So if you wanted to be on the left coast, um, they say medium home prices are in the $240,000 price range. But it's a quaint little coastal city in Northwest, uh, gives vacationers the experience of changing seasons. So if you don't want, you know, year round one temperature, and I mean, honestly, who wouldn't want that? But hey, you know, to each their own, there's an option in the Pacific that would be close. And the Ocean Shores Municipal Airport would be a good place uh, to fly in and out of. Well, you're in Minnesota. You'd want to fly down to Pensa, you know, uh, Panama City. Or Louisiana. Actually, I think I want to be farther south because I've been in Panama City when the temperature was only forty degrees, which right. Was, but you I haven't been. It was only ten degrees warmer. But you haven't been in Orlando in August, 
July or not. You have. I've been in Miami in July and August. Okay, so you know know that's the time when the Floridians would like to go up to a place like uh, Washington or whatever, like you just said, and have a place up there to watch the leaves color. Like, oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, yeah. We enjoy that cool weather. Very short patches of it in like the 60s or so is what I'm talking about at the lowest. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh my god! Wow! Yes! You're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. All right, so we've covered three places that might be cool beach houses for you to own if you have an airplane to boot uh, because you can fly in for easy access. That's what it's all about. You know, a lot of these small towns are suggestions that uh, we're throwing out there. Uh, th- that is 99% of it is access. If you, if you can get there easy in your aircraft, I mean, man, that is a win-win. Because you got less people, less traffic, 
just more, you know, just uh, just fun flying available to you uh, without all the craziness of, you know, airports and, and loads of people and stuff like that. So we got three. Uh, where's the next location that uh, he the put next one is? For us? So the next one's Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Now, okay. of course, you do have a major airport there, but there are a number of smaller airports like the Grand Strand Airport um, surrounding Myrtle Beach. And with a town that's got over 2,000 restaurants and 100 golf courses, uh, this one might appeal to you as well. Plus, it's still got gorgeous beaches. Uh, the only downside here is because it is a more popular uh, destination, you might have to deal with a lot of tourists. You do, but, but if you have your own little beach house, you'll be off by yourself. And if you want to go fight the tourists, you can. Uh, but and just you could fly into there. an airport that they're not going into, so right. you don't have to deal with those crowds. And like it, a hundred golf courses, you got to be able to find one or two that don't have aren't full of uh, the tourists. Of course, yeah, no, that sounds good. What's next? Palm Springs, California, Ooh. heading out to the the west coast. And, that would have to be very yeah. expensive, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Um, but, you know, if you don't want to live in, in Phoenix, you know, this would be a good alternative for kind of the desert climate. But, you know, you've got the big lake out there, so you still get sort of that classic beachfront experience in Palm Springs. Okay. And it's still considered a top beach destination, but you've also got golfing, swimming, and other sorts of relaxation you can do out there as well. And the Bermuda Dunes Airport would be an option to fly into. Now, you might see uh, some celebs out there, too. You want to go star Very watching? Possibly. Wouldn't they do that like Clint Eastwood? Harrison Ford's probably out there too, isn't he? I bet he ah, Where isn't he, out. right? Good point. He has a few planes. He'll crash into you sooner or later when you're out there flying. I kid. Okay. And the next place, what do you think? Uh, Ocean City, Maryland. So if you're not looking for, you know, super hot climate, um, you know, fairly moderate on the, on the East Coast there. Uh, but the Ocean City Municipal Airport is what uh, Trevor kind of recommends, and you get ten miles of shoreline on this little bit of little spit of land called Ocean City. But they do have nine million visitors a year. But you'll have access to a number of spectacular um, neighborhoods, oceanfront restaurants, uh, and plenty to do with boardwalks and amusement parks. Like so it, a little oh. bit different pace of life. Yeah. No. Okay. So what we're doing, we're covering you know cool places where you get like a, a beach home. That has a, a small little airport nearby that make it really convenient for your general aviation, you know, fun. Uh, what's the next one? Portsmouth, Virginia. Close to Colonial Wils Williamsburg, Norfolk, and uh, Virginia Beach. It's another place for people that want to, you know, kind of get away. A little bit less traditional than the tropical uh, locations. But you can get a second home near the water or on the water. Um, they've got a, you know, the historic neighborhoods itself, the infamous seawall, views of the Atlantic. Um, not a, a lot of history, you know, history. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I like it. Uh, next one, Jacksonville, North Carolina, back down to a little bit more warmer, um, especially for uh, beach season, boating, fishing, turtle watching. Um, so you could do that using the, uh, Albert Ellis airport. Okay. And what's special about Jacksonville, North Carolina though? I don't know. Other than, I mean, it can be very scenic in that area, right? Yeah, I think this is just some of the best beach activity in the yeah. in, in the area. So. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with that area. So, and, and maybe that's maybe that's the whole key to it is that people aren't that familiar with it. So you get all the benefits of a beach town without the crowds. Got it. All right, we got what two, three left. What do we have? We got two left. Okay, what's this the one next might one? be a little bit impractical unless you're of a, a higher income level than me. But Hilo, Hawaii. Because you Ooh. can fly into the Hilo International Airport, 
uh, you know, instead of flying into Honolulu or Maui or some of those. Uh, but that's something that you're probably not going to do in your average Cirrus or Mooney. Um, the, the, the trip over the pond from Hawaii is a little bit more than it is like going to the Bahamas. Right. It is. So I don't know. But, what, maybe, you, maybe you just get it over there somehow. You ship it on a boat. <laughs> no. Well, you, you can get somebody to carry, you know, to transport them over. They put big fuel tanks and then take the back seats out and you can do it, but it's not going to be something you're going to be taking off from your house in LA and flying out to Hilo for the weekend in your airplane. Most well, you fr- fly around the uh, islands. That's yeah. what you do. You putts around. That'd be kind of cool. I didn't even think about that option, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's a U.S. territory, so you can get a home out there and get in one of the less populated islands and have a plane. That'd be pretty nice. And you don't have to clear customs because you're in the U.S. the whole time. Exactly. All right. What's the now, What's the last one? Is this the best? Was it in order or no? Well, no, th- this one I kind of disagree with, but I live in Minnesota, but as you said, you know, you in Florida kind of want to get away from the heat. So Stillwater, Minnesota, it's really? on the uh, shores of uh, the St. Croix river. Some of the most beautiful scenery uh, here in the Minneapolis uh, area or, or uh, central Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so it's not a tropical destination by any means. In fact, we've got, you know, 12 inches of snow on deck and more coming and cold weather, but Hey, you want to get away from it um, from the heat? Come on up here in the summertime. It can be gorgeous. Well, is that um, like on still, a big lake or something too? Or it's on the St. Croix River. So okay. the it, they're huge bluffs overlooking the St. Croix. Uh, it was established back in the 1840s. So many vacationers and second homeowners love living in this area because of the river views, the historic town. Right, um, but it's close enough to the Twin Cities that you can, you know, you can get to anything that you would need in Minneapolis or St. Paul. So if we could go up there, say July, August, it'd be like it is in Orlando right now, seventy-five, yep. sunny, something to consider for your uh, general aviation lifestyle. We'll leave it at that. Till next time, remember, there's no better high than learning to fly. Just Plane Radio is brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Morbid. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plane Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlaneRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plane Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. <laughs> Listen up, everybody. Hi, some news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plane Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlaneRadio.com. 